mate 40 here, hanging out at Coogee Beach, Monday afternoon, about 5 p.m., January 16th, and thinking about family, friends, and careers. And before my father got married, he told his, his two wives that his career would always come first, meaning his Christian missionary. It wasn't just a career, it was a, it was a mission. And so I like that analogy, that think of a hot stove with, with four burners, all right? You can't really run all four burners at four bars. So one burner represents family, one burner represents career, one burner represents friends, and one burner represents health. And most of us can only keep really, say, two burners going full bar. Usually we choose, fam choose family and, and work. So my father put his career first. And uh, it's a little bit like that song, we'll get together soon, son, right? Cat in the Cradle, Cat Stevens, we'll be together soon. Uh, the boy, you remember his father never has time for him. And then when the boy grows up and the father now wants to spend time with him, the boy tells him, oh, dad, we'll, we'll get together soon. Sure, dad, we'll, we'll get together soon. So... Because my father put his career first, I kind of thought that was normal. And so all of my happiest memories growing up are outside of home. And I, I kind of thought it would be awesome to become an adult because then I could just hang out with my friends 24-7 without you know, any interference from, from my parents. And I thought, you know, when I get older, I'll just be friends because then it'll be, you know, friendship based on common, you know, things that we have in common, not just accidents of birth. And so I was kind of looking forward to just growing up and just spending time with friends rather than family. And then the older I get, you know, the, the more important I realize uh, family is. But I think I unconsciously took on my father's, like, you know, career first, mission first attitude. And so I'm, I'm kind of a bash. Look, what about the Revolver News interview with Donald? Hearing it now on Rumble 2X, make sure to skip past the election chatter. Okay, when does it get good, the Rumble interview with uh, Donald Trump? Uh, at what point in the interview does it, does it get good? So I think for some people, like, like my father, uh, putting mission first means putting first that thing that gets you the most love in life. Right? We all tend to prefer to do things that we're really good at and not spend so much time on things we're not good at. And so some people are just not so good with intimacy, connection, you know, horizontal relationships. And so when my father had so many fans available to him, uh, perhaps you know, the, the messier world of family was, was discouraging. Says he lost the election by 31,000 votes in 2020. Yeah, I, I heard if somewhere between 30 and 50,000 votes had gone the other way, he, he would have won. And if he'd only appeared to have handled COVID competently, I'm not saying he did or didn't handle it competently, if he just appeared to have handled it competently, if he didn't have those you know, rambling news conferences every day about COVID, he would have won. Right? He was head of a re-election but he really messed up with, with regard to how he came across in, in dealing with the, the COVID crisis. That's what, that's what cost him the election. So yeah, I'm sitting here at the park, you know, looking at you know, a lot of happy families and just kind of thinking how I unconsciously took on from my father this idea of, oh, I'll just be with friends 
One burner represents YouTube, one burner represents Jewish conversion, one burner represents air supply. <laughs> one burner represents the Dallas Cowboys who play tomorrow. So I think for, for some great men like my father, who was regarded as a great man by thousands and thousands of people, right? How could family compete with the adulation that he got from having followers? You know, strongly committed fans. So I think uh, some people who you know, produce content on YouTube or the you know, great men in public life—they're so used to adulation that horizontal, familiar relationships or relationships with people who knew them before they were great just not nearly as satisfying. And I think that's kind of what I wanted to build when I was a kid. It's like, oh, I'm going to make myself to be a great man one day. And uh, then I won't have to uh, mess around with you know, those, those messy, awkward relationships. I won't have to uh, remember all those crazy, stupid, awkward things that I did when I was young. I'm just going to make myself into a great man who receives <laughs> excessive amounts of adulation. And uh, now I'm older and wiser. Right. I, I've walked about... 10 miles on, on Shabbos and as I was walking along much of it it's like okay let me meditate on the principle with regard to step one acceptance and so yeah, let me accept you know, my awkward self Trump speaks for 46 minutes not sure it's exciting Trump seems like an Alex Jones show mister yeah he does because I think Alex Donald Trump you know turns to wherever he gets the most attention most love I think you know we all prefer to do that which we're good at we all will tend to grow towards attention and, and love and uh, if Donald Trump is getting more of it on the Alex Jones show or <laughs> the Nick Fuentes show then I think that's where he's going to turn right, particularly if you have no core sense of self you're going to turn look the crow wants you to leave their turf I got to leave or feed them hey guys I'm trying to run a high quality live stream here but I'm, I'm reading this book, uh, The Power Broker, on, on Robert Moses, right? But it's a book by, by Robert Caro. Here we go. The Power Broker, Robert Moses at the Fall of New York. So between about 1930 and 1960, Robert Moses was perhaps the, the most powerful man in, in New York City. He was a parks commissioner, a builder, a planner, you know, a powerful figure behind the scenes. And uh, he completely fell out with his brother. And his sister, who adored him, he completely fell out with her too. And when she wanted to get together with, with him, he told her, Oh, I'll be at the airport. You know, you can drive several hours to see me if you like. And I can spare a few minutes for you. So his brother was like starving. His brother was in dire straits. But Robert Moses you know, put the word out that nobody should hire his brother, the engineer. Because I think that, that awkward familiarity with family, of people knowing you when you weren't a great man, must have worn him down. Impressive stream output. Wonder what your show would be like if you stayed in Australia. Not enough tent people, mate. So, yeah, reading about Robert Moses, right? The power broker, right? So he so loved being a power broker. He so loved being able to make and break people. And he so loved being the most powerful man in New York City. He didn't really want to have anything to do with people who uh, knew him when he wasn't so powerful. 
or when people could have a you know familial pull on him and and it just reminds me kind of my you know fantasies when I was youth a child that you know I would just grow up to be you know like my dad you know the great man who'd have the the great following and I wouldn't have to bother with the, the messy, awkward world of uh, human relationships that I could just have followers and I could just get my adulation from them. Oh man, beware of the anti-Semitic crows. <laughs> I just had the worst experience with my iPhone. Okay, so I was trying to activate text-to-speech. So I went to my iPhone and uh, I went to accessibility and then never go on your iPhone and turn on voiceover at the top. My iPhone just went out of control and just started issuing all these commands, like all the familiar ways that I'd once controlled my iPhone. You know, like Robert Moses wanted to control everything and everyone around him. I'd, I, I thought I had control of my iPhone, but I made the huge mistake of putting my voiceover on on completely lost control of my iPhone it just starts you know issuing all these orders to me and then as I'm trying to get out of this thing all right I accidentally like trigger the the emergency uh, activation where if you like hit the, the, the right side button I think five times you know as I was trying to as I was trying to break out I think I hit this you know right side button five times okay countdown to send an emergency notification took me about 15 minutes to get out of voiceover so whatever you do never activate never activate this this voiceover function under accessibility on your phone i just wanted to activate text to speech but that was an absolute nightmare oh ethnicity isn't always so good so Australia soccer leagues used to be organized on ethnic lines. So you had like a Serbian, Serbian Australian club and a Croatian club and a Greek club and Italian club. So in Ontario has a public park with porta potties, a few dozen large tents, LA Portland style of supporting perma camps. Seems like you activated self-destruct. Yeah, I essentially activated self-destruct on my iPhone. It just it was a nightmare never I lost 15 minutes of my life trying to pull back you know that that voiceover function from on back again to off I'll never get that time back oh anyway so Australia's soccer league used to be organized primarily around ethnic lines and it was even like a Jewish club you know Greek Italian all these different you know Anglo clubs and they would get into fights, particularly when Yugoslavia had a civil war. So the Australian soccer clubs, right? The best Australian athletes tend to be Croatian, right? The Australian soccer team used to be, you know, Australian Croatians. So when Yugoslavia descended into civil war, right? You know, we'd have these pitch battles on Australia's soccer, soccer turf. So it turned out to be much better when they shifted Australia Soccer League away from having ethnic ties. So I tend to think, you know, strong in-group identity, good thing. Strong ethnic identity, good thing. Like organizing around what you have in common, such as an ethnic identity or religious identity, that's a great thing. But 
it really wreaked havoc with Australia's soccer system. So now they've just got, you know, I think, two clubs in Melbourne, two clubs in Sydney, completely cut ties with the ethnic element. So I know that there's like a, a soccer club in in England, which is you know reputed to, to be Jewish and is regarded, you know, spoken about as Jewish. But Australia's soccer league, uh, organised by the Lowy family, Frank Lowy. I think he organised a $20 million push to bring the World Cup to Australia in 2022, but instead uh, Kuwait beat them out. I guess Australia didn't provide the necessary bribes. We were too Anglo-Saxon about it. But anyway, Frank Lowy was the shopping centre magnate. Hollywood, Luke's teeth are brighter than the white paint. It's the apricot sky too, filming when he returns. So anyway, this Orthodox Jewish guy, a Holocaust survivor, was a major force for removing the ethnic element of Australia's soccer clubs, turning them into more professional clubs like you have elsewhere in the world. But uh, when Australia has soccer, ethnic soccer clubs, there was just you know war on the pitch. So sometimes increasing your in-group identity is not such a great thing. You know, usually it's a good thing. Uh, you feel stronger, feel safer, you feel more alive, you feel more passionate. But uh, sometimes in certain areas, right, like perhaps the, the workspace and sometimes in sports and uh, sometimes in, in other activities, it really helps to de-emphasize your in-group identity. Certainly helped Australia's soccer league. Had to completely remove the ethnic element, make it more professional. And uh, thank God there's a Lowy family and Frank Lowy who was able to assist them and fund them towards removing the ethnic element. Bye-bye.